Welcome to the Black Equity Podcast. I'm your host, DJ Motri of the Black Equity Network, and this is season two of this podcast. I want to thank everybody who has supported us since day one, and also the newcomers who are coming uh, in now who are learning about the podcast, learning about our network, and are excited about uh, finding out about this information. And if you don't know, during our first season a couple months back, we actually had a conversation about federal contracting with Walter Cotton III. And so we're actually going to talk to Walter again today as I've attended uh, the workshop earlier this year. And I want to ask a few more questions, a few follow-up questions to help people understand why federal contracting is so vital for our culture. So sit back, enjoy. This episode is, is going to definitely give you wisdom It's definitely going to elevate your thinking. And this may be an area that you uh, previously were not interested in. My goal is is that you consider this area as an area of specialty that you can pick up the pieces in, that you can master this craft and uh, join me in trying to learn and understand uh, government contracting and federal contracting overall. So thank you for listening to the Black Equity Podcast. And without further ado, let's get started. Are you there? Yes, sir, I am. Welcome back to to the Black Equity Podcast. You're the only, you're the second guest to ever come back for a, a, a second time. So we appreciate you coming back. Thank you. You're very welcome. Uh, what were your thoughts on the uh, generational wealth through government contracting? What were your takeaways? What, what was some of the feedback that you received uh, earlier uh, this year when you had that, that seminar slash workshop? You, you know, I think the question that you're you're asking me is, uh, what is the climate, uh, or what is my perception of the climate and the readiness of the uh, 
diaspora, the community at large, to interface with the uh, government contracting opportunity, uh, which I was able to get some perspective on, uh, or at least a brief peek into during the lecture that I gave over at the, uh, the Black Business School. Mm -hmm. And my takeaway was uh, one of concern. Okay. And, and, well, the reason I am concerned or I walked away concerned is that I looked at a lot of the activity in the chat that uh, I was able to review after the, the, the presentation. And I've looked at a lot of the follow-on communication that I have received. And it is becoming abundantly clear to me that there's a disconnect between this entrepreneurial opportunity and the entrepreneurial mindset that a lot of the audience members were bringing to this opportunity. And, and that, that, that gave me reason to, to be concerned, to, to, to pause. Okay. So what were, uh, were there any specifics that you saw uh, as far as, I guess, where the disconnect was as far as trying to understand the material? Yeah, I, I think that the, the, the primary disconnect, and, 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 and this goes a little bit, you know, uh, uh, deep. It goes, you know, towards some of our areas of uh, trauma, right? Some of our areas of traumatic healing uh, or need for traumatic healing that we have. But uh, as I was delivering the information to the audience, uh, I got a lot of requests uh, from individuals to help me extend or elongate their learning, as opposed to individuals that were sitting there uh, studiously waiting to receive the understanding that I was sharing with them from the uh, uh, lectern. Uh, the, the, the challenge that I have with that is that uh, in many instances, we have a predisposition to question, discount, mm -hmm. um, uh, dare I say, be suspicious of uh, our fellow uh, uh, members of the diaspora who wear our social uniform. So to say it very directly, uh, when there's a person of color that's up there talking, we have a predisposition to uh, take a jaded perspective of, of, of that individual. And I saw quite a bit of that in the comments that came back from uh, uh the, the, the chat room and my concern uh, or, the, or the reason that I, I'm concerned is because as it relates to subject matter experts on this unique niche area, uh, you can't be a guy that walks around with my value proposition espousing the fact that he's helped the community uh, uh, amass over $19 billion worth of, of wealth and you can't do that publicly without someone calling BS on it, right? <laughs> right, right. So, so uh, suffice to say that the, 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 the guy that walks in and says for over a decade he's helped people achieve $19 billion worth of wealth, the, the guy's done it. He, he's got right. that kind of competency. But I heard a lot of kind of questioning and, and skepticism and uh, just kind of personal um, uh, uh, attacks that, that, that just, just – Again, it left me disheartened. Well, you know, I I will say the first half was a lot different than the second half. Here's when when I was attending 
uh, and listening in. What got me to understand what you were really saying was, uh, and I'm, I always mess up the terminology, when you were talking about being a pass-through, mm-hmm. am I, is that the right term? That is the correct terminology. When you, when you were talking about that, and you, and you had said something like, am I saying that, you know, you're going to be the, the person that's going to, you know, you know, kind of be in the middle and be able to be the pass through? Uh, yes, I am saying that. And I think what, what I was doing prior to uh, that moment was I was making it way more difficult than it needed to be. I thought I was going to have to actually fulfill the actual contracts and you know, actually, you know, do a lot of the, the bulk of the work. And where am I going to find these contracts? And I, I and so that was kind of where where my uh, light bulb went off. It was like, oh, really? I'm really leveraging my preference uh, with this contract, and th- that's where my true leverage is. It's just being who I am. I got gotcha. you, and, and I understand that point. And I think that where. I came to a reconciliation on what was happening is in this area. Uh, What I'm delivering to the audience or the community, for lack of a better way of describing it, could be associated with a new language, right? Right. They're they're learning how to speak a new language. And and when you're trying to learn how to speak a a new language, uh, the more immersion you have in that uh, environment where people are speaking that language, the more repetition you have with it, the more familiarity you acquire with the nuances of the language. And as a result of the audience kind of having their first or should I say early exposure or immersion into this language, they weren't able to understand the words that came out of my mouth or should I say interpret the words that came out of my mouth in a way that made sense to them. And that's where the disconnect happened as opposed to trying to understand what the speaker was saying, for the first half of the presentation, the vast majority of people were trying to uh, process it in a way that made sense to them. Does that make sense? Makes perfect sense. So let's use this opportunity, because I know our listeners, they're always seeking understanding, they're seeking wisdom of how they can be better at business as, uh, or as investors. Let's walk through the process. So if someone is deciding to work with uh, my MPU and for the, for, before we even go there, what is my MPU? What does it stand for? What, what is the, the community in which you've built and why, why is it there? Okay. The uh, my MPU uh, network, first of all, my MPU stands for my maximum practicable utilization and what it is designed to be is a community of practice where like-minded individuals that are looking to pursue government contracting can collect in an ecosystem where they can share best practices, where they can team together to create force multipliers to go after federal contracting uh, business, and where they also have ready access to training and the additional tools that they need to be proficient in federal contracting. So for uh, lack of a better way of describing it, my MPU is a LinkedIn-like environment for minorities that are interested in contracting with the federal government. Okay, so my next question would be, okay, so there is this community, 
that's going to help me with federal contracting. Why should I be interested in federal contracting? Well, the reason that everyone should be interested in federal contracting is because you, especially those of you that own a social preference, you're a minority, you're a woman, or you live in a historically underutilized business district, you have a competitive advantage that results from some language that I wrote into law that allows you, for the first time in history, to make a demand call against the federal government's $300 billion budget. So the reason that everyone within the sound of my voice who owns the preference that I described would be interested in federal contracting is because it is the fastest and easiest pathway for you to establish an entrepreneurial enterprise that has a guaranteed performance metrics that you can associate with it. Okay. So what I'm understanding is because I'm just, I'm just going to make it as, as clear as I can, because I'm a black man in America, I have a preference over other people who may not have my, what you say, social uniform. I have a, a preference for certain types of uh, federal contracts that are out there. Is that correct? Correct. And what, what when we talk about these federal contracts that are out there, you, you mentioned a $300 billion budget. Well, what size of a contract would I receive? What is, what, how does that vary as far as the size of a contract that I would be looking for? Well, it's not a, a function of the size of the contract that you're looking for. It, it's okay. really a function of the, the size of the requirement that the government is going through the process of securing. The, the thing that I am pointing our community's attention to is a solution that allows them to create the capability and capacity mm -hmm. to deal with the requirement that's on the contracting officer's desk or the customer's desk irrespective of its size. Okay. So I'm giving you the tools that give you the agility to consume a $100,000 contract as easily as you consume a $100 million contract. And so it's not the size of the contract. It's understanding the steps and the procedures and, and understanding what to do in order to land a contract. Am I understanding that correctly? You're, you're understanding that correctly because at the end of the day, the level of effort that it takes to land a $100,000 contract is not significantly dissimilar to the level of effort that it takes to land a million-dollar contract or a $10 million contract or a $100 million contract. They all have the same proposal response components that you have to adhere to. But in order to under, understand this, I have to learn that language of federal contracting. And that's why you built the community for me to learn that language and, and, and understand the steps to go through. You're, you're absolutely right. But I would say that a little bit differently. Okay, right. Go ahead. You know, in, instead of you looking to go out and learn the language uh, standalone by yourself, what we're doing is putting a system in place that gives you a apprentice approach towards acquiring the competency necessary for you to be a su successful. So we're now, pu putting you in a strategic relationship 
who has a vested interest in feeding you that knowledge, best practices, and understanding. Ah, so I'm not going to be doing this on my own. I'm going to be working with a a larger company in order to acquire these contracts. Am I on the right path? You're 100% right. And that's the uniqueness. That's the differentiator that I'm sharing with everyone that people get lost on. Because when they hear federal contracting, they start thinking about all the stories that they've been told, uh, particularly the horror stories about what it's going to take for them to register and get certified in the SAMS database. And then they've got to run the gauntlet of getting 8A certified. And then they've got, you know, how they got to go out and figure out how to find the contracts. And then they got to decide whether they want to be on GSA schedule. And these are all components of the learning, the miseducation there, I say, that they get from these free advising sources that they get from the federal government which want to send them down the long path to federal contracting because failure, obsolescence, was inefficiency is already built into that system. What I am doing is I am pointing your attention to a streamlined approach that allows you to avoid all of that nuisance activity that they want you to go through in order to become contract viable and immediately put yourself in a position where you can take your preference and make it revenue producing. Now, I want to touch on that because you're basically saying there's a lot of white noise in this particular sector, in this particular industry. Now, not to go too deep into it because we want to go where there isn't white noise, but why is there so much white noise in the federal contracting space? Because there's money in it. (laughs) <laughs> and there's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the bottom line. I mean, there, 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 there are literally, uh, you know, $300 billion worth of wealth that's sitting over there. There is a army of people, let's call them an army of ants that have the ability to go over and, you know, partake of that feast. They just have been conditioned not to look that way. They've been conditioned to take the long path around. And and I'm saying, listen, we don't have to take that long path. We can go straight to the front of the line. And I'm not talking to you about something that I theorized or some uh, hypothesis I'm putting together. What I'm talking to you about is proven methodologies and systems that I was allowed to use to help the disabled veteran community move $19 billion worth of this wealth and I'm now going to the diaspora. I'm now bringing this same capability and technology to people of color. Awesome. So where I'm at now, I had two questions when I left uh, that particular uh, uh, seminar or workshop. I had two questions I left with that uh, hopefully you can help clear up and maybe it would also answer other questions as well. Sure. Part of the reason why I was signing up was I wanted to learn, well, how am I going to generate $100,000? It was kind of the subtext of the lesson. And I wasn't quite sure, well, how am I going to do that? So with with the information you provided as far as, you know, working with these uh, bigger companies and and working in in a strategic uh, relationship, can you put that together for me? Where am I receiving this $100,000 that you mentioned uh, for that? Uh, advertising for the webinar 
Good question, DJ. And, and it, really, it really is predicated on the idea of shifting paradigms, changing okay. the game. In the federal contracting arena, there is a tremendous amount of exploitation. There is a tremendous amount of opportunism that is quite mature. In the federal contracting space, all of the preference-owning communities that have come before the disabled veteran preference was set up, all of them were put on a trajectory for exploitation. The woman-owned business community was exploited. The minority business community was exploited and pimped. So what I did as I entered the market and I saw this exploitation going on, I had to find a way to insulate myself from that exploitation. I didn't want to go out and waste cycles trying to build relationships with people only to find that they were an opportunist that was looking to take advantage of me. So my attorney crafted an agreement that allows me to establish a earnest money relationship with my prospective partner. Now, here's how this works. When you are prospect prospecting for a joint venture partner, right, you go out and you kiss a whole bunch of frogs to try to find that individual that says, hey, DJ, yeah, I'd love to joint venture with you to go after some of that government contracting work. Mm -hmm. Well, you've expended a lot of cycles in getting to that point with that individual, right? If, right. You, if you all jump the broom, sign the joint venture agreement, and you're moving down the road to securing a contract, and that person bails, you're left holding the bag, right? You, you, you don't have capability and capacity, and more importantly, you've expended all of your cycles. Well, what we put in place recycles that you can't recover because you've got an opportunity cost associated with those cycles. So what we put in place was a process that allows you to extend an agreement to your partner. Once they've agreed that this very rich market that you've described to them, they want to go after it with you. Once you give them that letter of intent, it's an earnest money agreement, they sign that letter and give it back to you with a check. I advocate that you make that check $25,000. Now that $25,000 earnest money commitment is refundable to the partner from the successful performance of the joint venture on a FIFO basis, which is first in first out. That means that if the partner is as committed and wedded to this idea as you are and believes that it has a successful potential, they don't have a problem making the kind of commitment that the hog makes to breakfast to this relationship in the form of the earnest money. And given the fact that you are looking to set up an enterprise that has an organizational chart that has multiple lines of business, you have an opportunity to duplicate your earnest money relationship as you're going through the process of building your enterprise as many times as you'd like. I suggest that you don't need more than four uh, lines of business to operate with initially. And there you have your $100,000 event before you've gotten your first contract. And so makes sense. Make, yes, it makes perfect sense. So these four areas or potentially the four different industries in which I can uh, foresee myself in and the vision I have for the enterprise that I'm building. Am I correct on that? 
Yes, you are correct, but it's not just some helter skelter, you know, enterprise what mm-hmm. uh, uh, or industry rather that that you're focusing in. Uh, your focus is going to be driven by the well telegraphed forecast of your customer, which is the federal government. And the federal government is responsible through their budget process and through their federal business opportunity website to forecast their buys out 18 months. So you can pick the industries that are becoming robust and moving, whether it's the high speed rail focus that the government has right now or, or many Ooh, of the that's many, a good one. right. And my, my point very <laughs> simply, yeah, but there are many, many sectors that are relatively virgin because mm-hmm. everybody that's within the sound of my voice is right now on the bleeding edge of this new opportunity hitting the market. Right. So we have the ability to get our feces amalgamated and ensure that we consume the majority of this wealth transfer. And that's, that's my passion. That, that, that's why I'm so animated about this. Now, before I get to what my second question was when I, when I left, uh, left that workshop that day, sure. you mentioned something that I think is so, so vital here. You said you wrote uh, the legislation for this very area in which you are now teaching and trying to bring people to. Am I understanding that correctly? Yes, you're understanding that 100% correctly. And so it gives you a, a unique perspective of understanding um, how this works as far as the ins and outs and knowing what to avoid and what to focus on because you actually wrote the thing. You're absolutely right, DJ. And if I could like, you know, just drill into that a little bit more granularly, sure. I, I think it's important for the audience to understand that uh, when I sat down with a pen in hand to make a contribution to the Jobs and Credit Act of 2010, I saw an opportunity to write some trap doors in there. And I looked around the table at the other people that were there. And I said, man, this stuff is never going to fly, right? These are items that are going to hit the cutting room floor in what's called conference. And, and, in, and when you're we're putting together legislation, uh, in order for a bill to hit the president's desk, there has to be a mirrored version of it created in the House and the Senate. And then they bring those two bills together in a process called conference, right? That's where the House and the Senate reconcile the bill. Well, I fully expected these provisions that I wrote into the bill to hit the cutting room floor in conference, but they didn't. And my only estimation, my only assumption was that they didn't know what they were putting in. Mm. They didn't know, they didn't know the significant power of what that language does. Because what this language does is it creates the ability to, in the snap of a finger, dynamically engineer bigger small businesses that are large enough to compete with the largest household name contractor in the world. So we can build businesses utilizing the strategy I'm pointing people's attention to to go and take business away from Boeing, from Lockheed, from Northrop. And I'm saying that with a full convicted deep throat because I'm not talking to you about what I think. I'm talking to you about what we've done. If you are a black owned business or an investor and you would like to advertise on our show, 
Go ahead and send us a message at DJM at DJMoultrie.com. Now, back to the show. Theorize, I'm talking about something that we've actually done. And what I am encouraging our community to understand is that when I wrote that language, um, you know, I, I wasn't able to restrict it to just minorities. Right. And, and therefore, the majority community has access to this capability as well. Once they realize how robust this is, they're going to beat a, 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 a pattern. They're going to beat a path to this this particular opportunity. So as as aggressively as I can, as loudly as I can, I'm saying to my people, the time is now. Our opportunity is now, and if we get out in front of this bleeding edge opportunity, literally, I'm not talking figuratively, literally in every industry we choose, we have the ability to create anchor enterprises here in the United States that put us in a position to be meaningful and of value to our distant relatives over on the continent. Now, when I'm looking at this, am I just going to be another subcontractor? Am I just going to be, you know, owning 5% of this thing? I mean, how much, how much of these contracts or how much of the company am I really going to own uh, when this is all said and done? That's a beautiful question, DJ. And, and that's the important thing about being able to operate within the clear existing letter of the law. The regulations, in, in order for these relationships to be contract viable, the, the legislation, the regulation requires you as the preference owning individual to have the majority interest in the business. Mm. That means that you have to have 51% ownership in the business and therefore you have the ability to enjoy 51% of the profits. But the government was smart. Our okay. forefathers that wrote this language, they knew you having 51% majority interest wasn't enough because your joint venture partner was going to be the one with all of the resources. They were going to be the one with all of the capability and capacity. So the, our forefathers also put a stipulation in this alliance, this relationship formation that requires the preference owning small business to also be able to make all major decisions wow. for the corporation. Wow. So you really are in uh, control. Steer, yeah, you're steering your own enterprise and you're really entering into something that's going to shift your life forever. Absolutely. Because at the end of the day, the value proposition for your partner is you're able to get them into a position to take advantage of a book of business that they wouldn't have been able to get at without you. So their value proposition is they could have 49% of something and enjoy it robustly, or they could have 100% of nothing. Right. Now, this starts off as kind of that apprentice relationship, mentee relationship. Over time, what do you progress to? Well, you know, the, the, the smart money is on the uh, preference-only contractor that is diligently paying attention to everything that their partner is doing mm -hmm. that's that, that that's copying down every best practice and note and procedure and system that their partner has mm -hmm. in preparation for them 
standing up their standalone competitor to that partner's business. Right. That, mm. That's exactly why this program, this allowed pass-through, yes. was created because the government knew that there were classes of people that had been economically disenfranchised by our social systems. So they put these procedures in place so that we, now listen to this, this is an important consideration, so okay. that we could use them to level the playing field. They put them in place. They left them there as tools for us to learn how to pick up and use. But they're, they're not committed to teaching us how to use them. So I, I come in as an apprentice, but like you said, I could, over time, as I'm learning, as I'm, I'm building, I could potentially be that main uh, person who goes to get the contract for myself because I have the capabilities and the know-how to be able to you know, land that contract on my own. I want to say it a little bit of a different way, uh, sure. DJ, because sure. uh, you, you are a boss in Apprentice Clothes. Right. You're an undercover boss. Right. You, you own it. You have the ability to make all of the major decisions. You're just wearing an Apprentice uniform. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, the second question that I left uh, the workshop wondering, and we didn't touch on it a lot here, but I know we, talk, we talked about it a lot on the last episode, uh, was, okay, now that I've uh, become this apprentice and, and potentially I've become standalone, uh, how does this all relate to uh, bringing, uh, bringing resources to the continent of Africa? How does that all connect? And one of the questions that I had was, am I just taking um, a federal contract from the United States and bringing it to Africa? Can you help clear that up for me? Yes, I can help clear that up. And, and it's important for us to understand what's happening over in Africa. Uh, okay. the, the, the vast majority, uh, I would submit, of uh, 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 people of color in this country don't understand uh, what the African Union is all about. They don't understand what the uh, Africa Free Trade Zone uh, means to them, and, and, and many of them uh, uh, confuse the, the the continent and the diaspora right you know we're right, we're, right. we're in a lot of instances learning about our, our our homeland but but at the end of the day what's happening in africa is for the first time since they colonized our motherland africa is freeing itself and it's creating one unified free trade zone in africa which produces a two I'm sorry, $3.4 trillion economy in an undeveloped Africa. Mm. So our continent, as it's freeing itself from its colonial bonds, right, is getting itself together so that it can grow. So Africa now is rising, and this time Africa is trying to rise for Africans, those on the continent and in the diaspora, which is what you and I are, DJ. So the question is, how does this government contracting thing relate in any way, shape, or form to our distant relatives over on the continent? Here's the simple answer. When you have an emerging country, when you have an emerging nation like Ghana, when you have an emerging continent like Africa, 
It needs everything. In addition to needing everything, it has a plethora of available human assets. It has a plethora of labor. So you, as a member of the diaspora here in this country, have the ability to build a company here that you can use in one of two ways to support the diaspora. Either you can identify products and services that are needed to build out the you know, infrastructure to skyscraper requirements over on the continent, or you can identify an opportunity to utilize some of the excess labor that they have over, the, over on the continent, manufacturing goods that you can now sell domestically here in the United States or export internationally. I'll give you a very specific example. Okay. In the area of textiles, right? The federal government buys clothing, right? Mm-hmm. One of the one of the clothing items that they buy is uniforms, right? They buy millions of dollars worth of military uniforms on an annual basis. Right? right? That's a manufacturing contract, a textile contract. One of the listeners on this call could secure that contract from the federal government create a relationship in Ghana or Kenya, send a group of sewing machines over there and have the villagers making BDU uniforms that they ship back over here and are able to sell at a price that is at or below what the existing contractor is selling them at. But price is not the determinant here because it is your preference It is your ability to use the systems that I'm trying to transfer to you that put you in a position to compel the government to give you the business, to compel them to give you the contract. This is powerful. (laughs) You you mentioned something to me before. You said, well, you're not necessarily transferring over, you know, the contract. You're really building an industry. That's exactly what I am advocating. I am advocating that the listeners take advantage of their differentiator in government contracting to acquire contracts that have a place of performance that's at the discretion of the awardee Mm -hmm. and take those contracts and domicile them in your hometown, domicile them in your hood, and hire people from your community to work those contracts to build out that industry and then take that foundation asset that you have just created and bridge it to the continent in a way that's going to be financially beneficial for you and a blessing for your distant relatives over on the continent. What I'm hearing here is this has to be a vision that's bigger than just you. You're talking about hiring people within your own community. You're talking about, you know, building industry within your own state, within your own region, and then also uh, working internationally in different countries within Africa to employ people there and bring industry there as well. This has to be a a vision bigger than just, ooh, I want to make money. This has to be something way bigger than that. It is way bigger than that, DJ. And in addition to it being way bigger than that, it requires 
us to move as a community. We can't run after something like this as the Hussein Bolt solo sprinter. I mean, we may set <laughs> records and we may, you know, you know, we may, you know, get our gold shoes shining in the sun, but we're not going to make a, a meaningful dent for our community. Right. If we do it together as a collective, we create the kind of force multiplier and momentum that can't be stopped. And so that's why we have a MPU network, because it was that community of practice that we built for the veteran and disabled veteran business community that allowed us to pivot as a collective against any need. So when there was a, uh, an agency need where one of the agency contracting officers uh, did something wrong to one of our fraternity members, they saw Rolling Thunder show up at the agency to sit down and talk to the secretary to get things right. Right. When there was a legislative effort where they were trying to not give the veterans priority, it was called parity in contracting. We showed up on the Hill and had a conversation with our elected officials and compelled them to change the law. And I am saying to my community, we have the ability to do the same thing, but the need is less because we've already knocked down the barriers. Mm. So the, the advantage of working within a community is having people that are going to have your back instead of trying to run out there and do it yourself. You, that's absolutely right. And, 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 and let me make sure that I say this to the audience you know, loud and clear. Um, when I talk about $300 billion, let me make sure that you understand that the people that own those $300 billion are listening too. Yeah. And they are going to do everything within their power and beyond things I think you are currently imagining right now to defend those funds. Right. Trust and believe I know what I'm talking about because I still have the battle scars for the $19 billion that I moved. So this mm. is a serious matter, folks. This is serious as cancer, as serious as a heart attack. And me, I'm looking for the tribe. I'm looking for the warriors, those economic warriors, right, that are ready to go out there and take their piece of history. Not ask mm. for permission. We don't have to ask for permission. DJ, I have been more emboldened in this season of my life than I have ever been because I've got a new paradigm. I've got a new mindset. I know what it means and what it feels like to be a free man. Mm. And I want everybody that wears my social uniform to feel at least what I feel, if not better. So let me touch on that before we give the audience some information of how they can be a part of this community. What is it like to be a free man? It, it's, it's, it's a wonderful feeling DJ. And, and the reason that I can say I'm a free man mm -hmm. is because I don't owe nobody nothing. DJ. <laughs> Listen to that. That's right. a, that's a very important position. I don't owe anybody anything. 
So those of you who are within the sound of my voice that are good entrepreneurs, that got your 401ks and, and your pensions uh, wedded to this fiat currency system, y'all need to hear what I'm saying. Our mm. objective is to get ourselves in a position where we are the lenders and not the borrowers. And I'm not talking about, uh, 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 well, you know, does my mortgage count? Yeah, your mortgage counts. <laughs> if, you owe, right. if, you, if you owe the bank money, you owe somebody money. Right. Yeah, your car note counts. If you owe somebody money, you owe somebody money. I made a concerted decision about five years ago to become completely debt-free. And that puts me in a position to control my own destiny. And it's wonderful. It's a wonderful feeling to know that you don't owe nobody nothing and nobody can't come in and pull your chain. I agree. I agree. So for those who are interested in being part of this community and uh, like you said, taking a piece of history, I like the way you said that. How, what is that? What is the uh, process to work with you and the community? Well, um, I always tell people, anybody that will listen, that my best customers are educated customers. Okay. Mm -hmm. My, my best partners are educated partners. Okay. So, um, if you are not prepared to come to the program that I'm offering with a clean slate, I pray you, I beg you go educate yourself. Go to the, the, the PTAC programs, go to the SBA's program, right? Go, go get all of that knowledge, and, 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 and I'll see you once you get yourself educated. For those of you who don't have full cups and want the shortcut, you can go out to the MPU network, and you can register for a class. Now, I will tell you that the website is going through a makeover because mm -hmm. I have taken the veteran uh, focus that I had and I've asked my webmaster to wipe all of that out. So January 1st, the new and improved website opens up and everybody can go in and play partner and buddy and team and all of that kind of stuff. But for now, you have the ability to go and get yourself connected to the training material that you're going to need to put the tools in your toolkit to accomplish the goal. Awesome. Uh, say that website one more time. Uh, it's uh, my, M-Y, M-P-U dot org. Awesome. You know what and, I would love? DJ, I want to be clear about something because, um, you know, uh, uh, I, I think that you, 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 what's the word? You sniffed me out, man. You, 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 did? you, you did. You, you sniffed what me I out. What I do? <laughs> You, 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 you articulated the fact that I'm on a mission. Yeah. Right. This is a mission. This, this isn't about Walter's pockets, right? right? This isn't about putting money in Walter's pockets, because if this was about putting money in Walter's pocket, those tools out there would be priced a whole lot higher than they are. This is my legacy move. I woke up, okay, and realized that I was doing my people a disservice because I was the only brother in the room with all of this information and, and all of this access. And I wasn't doing anything with it to help my people. Mm. So now here I am 
being the example of change that I want to see. I'm being the example. I'm putting my money where my mouth is. Nobody's investing to, to, to uh, uh, update all of this material and make it available. I'm making that investment. And I'm making that investment because I see a point in time opportunity for us as a people to change the economic game for people of color on this globe forever. And I want to make sure that I do my part, leave no stone unturned and getting my part done. And Walter, what I want to do is I want to work alongside you because what I, what to me, we share a very common uh, shared interest here because your vision is basically the same as mine. I never pictured it being through federal contracting, but I knew I wanted to make sure that we had industry, we had enterprise and we had uh, the know-how of how to invest in the motherland. And so we share, we share that same common interest. I want to make sure that I'm very clear that I want to make sure that uh, those who work with your program, if, you know, when, when they go through the process, they land their contracts, I want them to be able to come on the podcast and talk about their experience with uh, the program that you've put together and, and be able to be right there alongside you uh, to have those conversations in real time for us to make sure people know, hey, this, what we're doing over here is groundbreaking. Come join us. I would D- love to be able to do that. DJ, I, I'd like to go you one better. Um, okay. And, and humor me on this, right? Because I remember uh, reading in your background uh, that you did a master's in acquisition. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. Uh, and you, you would represent ostensibly the average audience member don't have a strong competency in government contracting, but you have some understanding of uh, business and, and the like. So, so here's what I think would be novel. Okay. What would be novel is if I offered you an opportunity to go through the training yourself mm. and actually report and share with the audience your objective opinion of the experience that you're going through okay. and if the creek rocks and, and the wind blows and the system works like it supposed to work right you, right. Share, you share your first big contract success okay well i i, I humbly accept I, w- I would love to do that because i i truly believe that your vision is where we need to go you said something the first time we talked that really shifted something inside of me you were saying, hey, you know, you can, you know, do, uh, you know, entrepreneurship the old the old way and go through this and go through that. But I'm providing something to you that is going to be the easiest straight line, streamlined pathway to true enterprise building, true nation building. And so I'm, I'm all in on that. That vision caught me. Well, you, you have my commitment. I will have my staff provide you access to the training material and um you know you you know you employ your journalistic integrity to provide an objective view to the audience of what you see what you're experiencing and i think it would be healthy for for them and it'll be a blessing for you i i I look forward to that i look forward to learning the process and then reporting it back Uh, let me ask you this for those who are interested 
are, are there going to be any future workshops similar to what you did before or going more in depth? There are several um, uh, lectures that uh, that I have planned. Okay. And uh, my staff is currently um, building out about 44 different training modules that will be um, either available on the Black Business School or available through, you know, our site. Uh, th this is a continuous learning process, so there okay. will always be additional education added to the process because the government changes laws like just about every four years. Right, right. right. When a new administration gets in. Okay, okay. Well, Walter, I'm excited about this, and I'm glad we had this conversation to kind of clear up some of the questions that I had uh, from the previous lecture. I'm uh, really excited, and I want to thank you for taking the time out today to have this conversation and opening up the doors uh, for your community. I look forward to being part of the community and having those conversations, and then, like you said, reporting back, hey... We just landed. The, we just landed this contract. Now we get to do the real work and being that example. I look forward to that. Excellent. Well, you have my commitment, and uh, welcome to the family. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate that, Walter. Thank you so much for coming on the Black Equity Podcast, and I look forward to having episode three with you uh, in the coming months. Sounds good. Thanks, DJ. Thank you. If you are interested in learning more about federal contracting, I want you to head over to mympu.org uh, starting on January 1st and join the community. This community is going to be there for anyone who wants to master this particular area and have this in their uh, treasure chest as a skill set to have. So if you want to join me over at mympu.org, go ahead and click the link in the show notes and let's get started. Want more access to the Black Equity Network? Perfect. I have just a solution for you. I want you to text 669-238-2434. Once again, that's 669-238-2434. I want you to text the keyword Black Equity to 669-238-2434. Now, what is that going to do? That's going to give you access to our personal Rolodex of business contacts. So every time that we have a potential business partnership, a business opportunity, someone says, hey, I want you to let people know about a job opportunity, we're going to send a message out to everybody who has text Black Equity to 669-238-2434. If I were you, I would send a text message right now. Back to the show.